thanking our worship team for just an amazing, amazing time of worship this morning. Man, man, man. You know, some of the songs, um, this morning I was, just, I was just singing these songs and I was thinking them through the lens of covenant. You know, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Keep going. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing grace. That's covenant, folks. That's covenant. That's covenant. Boy, I, I almost came up and just wanted to remind you to sing these songs through the lens of covenant. But Ricky had already started and I didn't want to like, I didn't want to, I was like, no, let him go. Let him just do his thing. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse um, 9 and 10 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His, what? Covenant and His, what? Loving kindness to a thousandth generation, to those who love Him and keep His commandments. Um, Let me ask you a question. Has has anybody ever given you something that, 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 I guess, just kind of, overwhelmed you like it was an amazing gift to where uh, maybe maybe it was so overwhelming that it was hard for you to receive it maybe not but maybe it was like why would you do this for me it sometimes God just does stuff right like he shows up and he shows out and he just does something that's just so amazing and and you just think God Wow. I mean, like, wow, wow. Um, I was thinking about that um, recently, and I was thinking about when uh, the, the months and weeks before I got married. And um, uh, I was in charge of the honeymoon, right? And it's like, okay, you got the honeymoon, right? I went, uh, okay. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, where, uh, oh, honeymoon, let's see. Uh, and I was kind of like, you know, like, where do you, I don't know, where, what's good? I mean, like, you know, Newport Beach, no, it's got to be better. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm going through all this stuff in my head. And I'm kind of struggling in all this, right? And so someone who was a part of our church and is still considered family to us um, said, uh, said, out of the blue, right, came up to me and said, so, um, so where are you going on your honeymoon? And I went, I don't know, okay, but I'm in charge of that and I'm starting to feel pressure. And, uh. And, and then she said, well, have you ever thought of Jamaica? And I went, no. <laughs> Jamaica. Okay, like, Jamaica. That's I, something to think about, I guess. And, and she goes, well, my dad actually works at a, at a place down there. Let me give him a call and just kind of check it out. And I go, okay, get back to me. That sounds great. <clears throat> a couple of days later, she calls back and says, I want you to know that I talked to my dad, and he said everything's, everything's great. It, it's going it's to be okay, that he'll take care of it. And I said, okay, that's great. Jamaica, so, just so we're on the same page, and I understand what you're saying, when you say that your dad will take care of it, because I'm like, I'm like a running rebel, right? From you, And when someone says they're going to take care of things back in the day, I knew what that meant. Well... Was, you know what I'm saying, bro? And, oh, you don't take care of him? Okay, cool, you know. Hey, so I just want to make sure that what I say, taking care of, is the same as what you say. She goes, oh, yeah, no problem. He says that he's going to have you there for, I think it was like eight days. And, um, and the hotel and the food and everything is on him. And I went, oh, 
Wagwan, I'm going to Jamaica, bro. Woo! Jamaica, yeah, hooked it up. And then I figured since I was on, well, since the Lord was on a roll, I figured I'd call and get airfare because she basically said, all you got to do is get there. I said, man, I'll swim to Jamaica. Trust me, we'll get there. And, and then so I call, and this was back in the day. Some of you millennials won't get this, but you actually had to call the airlines. How many of y'all remember that? Right? And then you, you actually had to book it on. You had to make a, right? It wasn't like, you know, compare 92 different airlines. So, so I called one, and they were like, ah, that's too much money. So I called like United. It was United or American, something like that. I think it was United. And, uh, and I don't typically, because, you know, they tend to be a little bit, but anyway, higher price. I call them. I'm like, okay, listen. And I, I get this real friendly guy. I go, here's the deal, man. I'm going to Jamaica on my honeymoon. I need a deal on a flight. You know what he says? He goes, it just so happens that we have discount flights to Jamaica. I said, book it, Daniel. Book it. <gasps> and I'm like, in the course of a few days, with really me doing nothing at all, God just went, here you go. And I went, oh, Lord, you are good. You're too good. You're too good. Ever happen to you like that? Something you just think, God, is it hard to accept those gifts sometimes? Sometimes you just go, Lord, no, no, God, it's, it's, it, it's too much, or, or it's hard for me to, to, to accept that. Well, we're talking about covenant this morning, and we're talking about our covenant representative. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And um, remember that one of the concepts of covenant, and there are many different facets of it, is, is a great, mighty, powerful king who imposes a covenant word, his covenant on a lesser king. But it doesn't just have to be that. It could be two tribes where maybe one tribe has a strategic advantage or they have a military advantage or they're just better with crops. And so uh, this other tribe would covenant together with them. Maybe it was allowing yourself to be in a covenant because because there was protection from another king. Maybe it was that. One of the other key words, so, so one is I, I, imposing a covenant. Another key word is loving kindness. Everybody say loving kindness. And it doesn't mean all oh, just, we just pity them so much or, you know, they're so weak and we're just going to enter into a covenant with them. No, it, it essentially means this. It means that that really both parties, but if there's a, 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 a larger, bigger, more stronger king, he's saying, you can, be, uh, I, I, I'm, you can count on me to fulfill every aspect of this covenant. I'm there. I will accomplish it. Uh, we see that in our God who, who keeps his loving kindness and mercy and compassion and his loyalty to his people even when they don't deserve it. Can you say amen to that? Okay, they don't deserve it, all right? And so, um, this week at, at, at our light group, and by the way, there's 115 people that are in light groups, okay? And, and there's maybe, I don't know, there's maybe 95, I don't know how many people are here, maybe there's 100, I don't know how many people are here this morning, but there's 115 people in light groups going through this series right now. 
And I wanted to report that to you so that you would, you know, yeah, yay God, but guess what? Uh, it, it's not too late to join. And out in the lobby, we have some maps and some information or some uh, uh, information on different light groups. If you want to attend one, it's not too late. It's important that you know that. So at our particular light group, and, and all throughout the week, we're on the same page together, uh, we were talking about the promises of covenant, and we we're talking about how God uh, uh, entered into a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. It's one of my favorite scripture verses because Abraham asked a question, and he says, how will I know that these things will happen? And, and God, like, doesn't say a word, but Abraham goes and he gets the animals for the sacrifice. Uh, because th the answer to the question is, we're about to enter into a covenant. So Abraham gets these animals, and we talked last week about how uh, there was always a shedding of blood, and a blood covenant was the strongest covenant that you can enter into, how they would take an animal, and, and typically a bull, and slice them down the middle, and separate the flesh, and then walk through in a figure eight, which is a symbol of infinity as well, which says that throughout all time, all of my time on this earth, I will fulfill my end of the bargain. But here's the interesting thing about that, is that when God enters into covenant with Abraham, Abraham is asleep. And God enters in and basically says, Abraham, I'm going to do this. Take a nap. And through you, even though you are without child and your wife is barren, that means she is unable to have children, all nations on the earth will be blessed. Look at the stars, count them if you can, so shall be your descendants. By the way, you're a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Unless you're Jewish, then you're a literal descendant of Abraham. Okay, And that continues to be true. Okay? God does it. God says to him, I've got this, Abraham. And so this week, our covenant representative, and I tell you just, again, the songs that we sing, I just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just basking in the glory of my covenant representative, Jesus Christ. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, as we get into our text this morning, David has defeated Goliath. It is a high point for him. Uh, he is the, uh, he's, not, he's not just the kid that's out there tending sheep anymore. He has come to national prominence in Israel. Chapter 18 says this, and we're going to talk about the relationship between King David, or David even before he became king, and Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son. Saul was the king that the people wanted, but it was never really God's choice. God always wanted to be their king, and the people were like, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. So he said, you know what, here you go. Okay, there is your king. And it didn't work out all so well, we'll get into that. But Saul, King Saul, had a son named Jonathan. And we're going to talk about the relationship between Jonathan and David in the context of a covenant representative. One who represents the covenant that is in place, all right? 1 Samuel 17, David has defeated Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 18, we pick it up with uh, uh, David and, and, and Jonathan, and it says this in verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, right after David and Goliath, okay, after he had killed Goliath, and he's having this conversation with Saul, and then verse 18, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, 
The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Here's what I think. I think Jonathan, Jonathan was a warrior. We learned that earlier in 1 Samuel. Jonathan would, 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 was a, a, a man uh, that, that was a, he could spot courage, and he could, he could see uh, uh, military might and maybe even leadership in, in, in other men. And he sees David, and David has just killed Goliath. And Jonathan goes, that's what I'm talking about. We need more guys like that around here. Yes. And he just said, you know what? I imagine him saying, David, Jonathan, I love you, man. You are the man. That's just the way I pictured it. I don't know. I'm not saying that's how it happened. Okay? But listen, he loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, King Saul, and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a, what's the word? Covenant with David, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Covenant language says this, I no longer live life as an individual, but I live for the good of the other person. Okay, now the significance of what just took place, and if you were throughout all this week throughout your light group, you know what, 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 this, what, these, what this symbolism means. First of all, he takes his robe. Jonathan is the heir apparent to the throne of King Saul on paper. And he has a robe. He has the vestments of a king's kid. Because when you were a king's kid, you wore a, war, you wore a robe. You looked the part. And he's got this robe, and he gives it to David. And he's saying, all of, all of all my authority, all that I influence, all of my influence, all that I am as a son of the king, you know what? I'm, I'm giving that to you. And then the armor, the, soul, uh, the sword, the, the, the bow on his belt, which was a symbol of strength. And that's saying, David, I will protect you from your enemies. At this point, Jonathan doesn't know that David's enemies would be his own father. Okay? So, the symbolism is this. Jonathan is saying to David, who's not king yet, David, you've got next. You should be dressed, you should be armed, and you should be the crown prince to the throne. God's hand is upon you, and these things belong to you and not me. Because Jonathan was so surrendered to the will of the Lord, he could see the hand of God on King David. He knew David's destiny was to one day be the king, and he was willing to set aside his own desires, his own uh, uh, ambition to one day be king, to set all of that aside so that, so that the Lord's choice could be king. Okay? See, that's, that's covenant where I say, you know what? It's not about me, but it's about us and it's about you. Wow. That tells you a whole lot about this young man, Jonathan. Well, wherever David goes, he, he prospers. Uh, God's hand is on him. He's rising up the military ranks. And, and trust me, the military is all about David because he's the one who killed Goliath and literally turned the fate of an entire nation. Right? And so he's, he's the up-and-comer. There's a, there's a new hit song on, on Jerusalem, Billboard, number one. It's, 
It's uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. Oh, but David has killed his ten thousands. And, and Saul's like, what? And he's a little bit insecure in his kingship. And he does not like this song being played. He's not happy. And what does he do? He tries to kill David. David is about to be a fugitive. And guess who comes to his side? Jonathan. Chapter 20, verse 13 says this. This is David and Jonathan having a conversation. Really, Jonathan having a conversation with David. And this is what he says to him. But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and, and more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. He's saying, listen, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put my life at risk so that I can protect you, even from my own father. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I, that I may not die. Do not cut me off. Your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David uh, from the face of the earth. Verse 16, and Jonathan made a what? A covenant with the house of David saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. Oh, I don't know if you have someone in your life that, 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 that you have that kind of relationship with. It is a precious, precious gift. I have a friend, my, my buddy Jay. I talk about him from time to time. Uh, uh, he, he is, he is, he, we are just like that. Uh, we, we talked just last week on the phone, and, and when I see his picture come up, uh, I immediately smile. And, and he'll say something. We have this entire language that no one knows about but he and I. And when we get together, we start saying words and going back to things, and people are like, what are you guys talking about? Like, we're the only ones at the table laughing, and we're cracking up, we're crying. And these are stories we've told over and over again for years and years. That's David and Jonathan, okay? Well, now the, 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 the covenant that they've entered into has, has just gotten deeper. Jonathan's saying, listen, even if, if something happens to me, say, let me know, protect me, you know, and, and not just me, but my future generation. Saul gets so angry that he tries to kill his own son, Jonathan, because he believes that he's helping David to escape. And actually, it's true. He is. Jonathan is helping David to escape. Now, there's a conversation that they're going to have, not knowing if they'll ever see each other again. But they will see each other one more time before Jonathan is actually killed. And this is in verse 42 of chapter 20. And it says, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord. That's covenant language, because when you made a covenant, you called on the name of your God to be in that covenant. The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. 
Again, they don't know if they're ever going to see each other again. And the Bible says that they wept, and it says David wept even more so. My friend, my, 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 par, my buddy, I don't know if I'm ever going to see. This was serious, right? But they, 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 they enter into this covenant. Well, I want to tell you that David's ascension to the throne took some time. How many of you ever got a promise from God, but it took some time to actually, like you, you thought, okay, great God, okay, we're going to stop, and, and what? And, and see, your timing is here, God's timing is there. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently about, about my high school days, and how there was a campus Bible club on my campus, uh, and, and how all of my friends were a part of it. And, and, and nobody ever bothered to invite me to go to the campus club. It was the campus Bible club. All my friends were in it. And, 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 I'm, and I actually told this person, and, and I said, you know what? I said, if, if I ever meet the leader of that group in heaven, like, you know, the, the person who ran that campus group that I was at that high school, and that person, oh, oh you're the guy who ran that group? I'm going to slap him right there in heaven. And, and say... Is there a reason you didn't, you know? And, and, then, and then my friend said this. She said, Richard, are you questioning God's timing? And I went, of course not. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, not at all. Yeah, God's timing, right? So, so David rises to the throne. He's anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. And he goes into the wilderness ultimately for 10 years. Um, and when, he's finally, when he finally takes the throne, he only takes the throne over one tribe. So it's another seven and a half years after King Saul dies that he finally takes the throne of Israel. God promised that David would be king, but it wouldn't be in David's timing. It was in God's timing. Here's the thing. God makes the promise. He initiates the promise. Remember that. Write it down. God always initiates the promise. God initiates it. Number two, he preserved the one with whom he made the promise. God does that. God preserves the one with whom he made the promise, literally saving David's life on a number of occasions, sometimes pretty comically, but yes. And thirdly, he completed the promise. So God initiates, God preserves, and God completes the promise 17 and a half years later. But God did it, okay? Because, because we're going to talk about covenant in this context, so I want you to remember that. God initiates, God preserves, and God completes, okay? So we're in 2 Samuel chapter 8 now, and you can turn there in your Bible or your phone, and actually chapter 9. Once again, David is on a roll. The Lord has blessed him. The Lord has shown his kindness to David. He's, he's, a, he's, he's ascended to the throne. He's, he's, he's mopping up the mess of the enemies that are in Israel. And I mean, he's rolling. He's, he's administratively, um, in every way, God's hand is on him. It's overwhelming. And, and then something comes to David's mind. The Lord is blessing him. And... Uh, because of God's blessing on him, he wants to bless others. Why, why, why would he do that? Here's why. The natural response 
of being blessed by God is to be a blessing to others. Okay, let me say that again. The natural response to being blessed by God is to be a blessing to others. You have been blessed so that you will be a blessing. You've not been blessed so you can kind of keep it all to yourself. And I'm like, man, I'm blessed. I got my ticket to heaven. I don't care about nobody else. And that's wrong. That's not why he blessed you. And there are many reasons why, but it wasn't so. You could just kind of package it up and keep it to yourself, right? That's the natural response. Now, in this culture, when a new king ascended to the throne, they immediately wiped out all the descendants of the previous king because there was this thing of revenge. It's a revenge culture. And it was the responsibility of those descendants to try to take this king out. That was the culture. But David does something different different and here's why chapter 9 i'm just going to read through it and then we'll break it apart okay so second samuel chapter 9 one day david asked is anyone in saul's family still alive who tried to kill david saul who does david have a covenant with jonathan saul's son is anyone in saul's family still alive anyone to whom i can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. David says, Where is he? In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Verse 7 says, don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? When the king summons, then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your, fa- your, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, so they were taking care of the property. They were the keepers of the land. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own son. Verse 12 says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Amika. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem, and ate regularly at the king's table. Everybody say, covenant. Covenant. 
representative. Let's look at Mephibosheth. While we're taking a look at Mephibosheth, I want you to think about if this sounds familiar at all. He was hiding from David. No doubt he believed David's going to kill me. No doubt he believed that. That's why he's hiding. He's crippled in both feet. Because it tells us in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 4 that when they heard, when Mephibosheth and the household heard, he was a young boy, a small child, when they heard that, that King David, that, that his, his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul had both died in battle, they picked him up to rush him out of the house and he got dropped and he was crippled in his feet. He lives in the house of Makir in Lodabar. You know what Lodabar means? It means no pasture. No pasture. He doesn't live in his own house. We can assume that maybe he has nothing. Aside from the generosity of this man, he might not even have a place to stay. And oh, by the way, don't tell anyone that I'm here because David will probably come and kill me. We can assume that Mephibosheth wanted nothing to do with David because if it was, it would mean death. He is summoned to come to the king. He's been found out. He doesn't know what's going to happen in his mind. He's probably thinking, that's it. He's going to see me and he's going to kill me. And he must be terrified. That's why I believe David said, Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. key word in this chapter is kindness, loving kindness. Why would David do this? He tells us because of his covenant with Jonathan. See, Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, was his covenant representative. I also believe that David did this, and it tells us this, because he wanted to show kindness because of the kindness that God had shown him. It was because of the covenant that he made with Jonathan and because he wanted to show kindness because of what God has shown. Do you see any similarities here between anybody else that you know? Yeah? Because, see, there are many people that are hiding from God. They believe that, that God is maybe a, a, a vengeful, evil God. And, and boy, if I, if, if I came into church, oh, man, y'all, the roof's going to uh, fly off. And I, I actually had someone say that to me. I, they actually did. I said, sir, with all due respect, you might be sitting next to someone way worse than you at our church, bro. You, might, you may very well be. Man, uh, we, you and I, we're spiritually crippled. We are. Uh, here's the thing. Mephibosheth didn't want anything to do with David. And there's some people, for whatever reason, they don't want anything to do with God. Maybe it's because of some religious experience or you went to a church and, and something was said to you and you just said, you know what, if that's, if that's what God's like, I don't know if I want that. I recently went to Los Angeles on, on, a, on, a, on the most amazing 24-hour, the, the 24 hours that I've had in a long, maybe ever. And, and, and God's so, so providentially had someone sit next to me that I shared the gospel with. And I mean, like, the whole way there, it was this an amazing experience. And one of the things that she said was that, you know, I've got the, my, my dad, you know, he says he's a Christian, but, 
I'm having a hard time following God at all because, because it's been such a bad experience. And, and if that's what Christianity is, man, I don't know that I want that. I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't feel that way. I get it, but don't feel that way. Some folk don't want anything to do with God. But here's the thing. God initiates. God comes after us right where we are. God preserves this covenant that you and I have with him through Jesus Christ. And God completes it as well. He's the one who will finish it. And so here's this. David sought out Mephibosheth. Jesus seeks us out always. He's the one who came to seek and save those who were lost, which was me. David said, I will show you kindness because of Jonathan. God says, I will show you kindness because of Jesus. David said, I will restore to you all the land that, uh, of Saul, uh, 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 Mephibosheth. Jesus comes and he restores things in our lives that we thought were lost, were broken, that we'll never get back. We feel like, man, we messed up so bad, I will never have that relationship with that person. I will never, and you know what, God works in those things, and sometimes it, turn, it turns. God says this, you will eat at my table continually. Uh, David said that to, to Mephibosheth. Luke 22, Jesus says, and just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat at drink and drink at my table in my kingdom. Listen, Mephibosheth doesn't feel worthy. He says, I'm a dead dog. Why would you treat me like this? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize their own spiritual bankruptcy, the crippleness of their soul, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he says. And Mephibosheth goes from a city called No Pasture, Lodabar, to a city of peace. Jerusalem. That's what God does. Listen, I want to also mention this point. Mephibosheth is still crippled. God doesn't immediately take away our frailties, our weaknesses, but he gives us grace in the time of need and he helps us have a, a, a different understanding of those things and he helps us to walk through them and deal with them because it's a journey. Mephibosheth was still crippled. But oh, how his outlook on life changed about himself and that crippleness. How it changed. David said this, you will eat at my table as one of my sons. Galatians 3.26 says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, could you imagine the scene? King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the one whom God said, David's a man after my own heart, sitting at dinner or whatever the biggest meal of the day was, whatever that was, probably wasn't late, probably early, sitting there, and there's his sons, there's, there's Absalom and, and, and Amnon, and down the line, and servants, and, and gold, and, and the amazing, amazing, I mean, like, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it would make, it would make, uh, uh, it would make the Bellagio look like Sizzler, you know, I mean, it just, no disrespect to Sizzler, if you're going there for lunch, I mean, <laughs> just trying to, 
you're just trying to, yeah, no, no disrespect, I'm just trying to contextualize it. I mean, this is, this is King David, and, and this is his, his dinner, and there, there they are. And, and, and there's an empty seat over here, and everyone's sitting. No one's touching their food, and they're waiting. And then, and then Mephibosheth, however he gets, I don't know how he gets there. Maybe someone carries him. I don't know. And he, and he, and he, and he comes and he's crippled in both feet. I don't know if he can walk. It doesn't tell us. But, but he, he, and everyone sits and everyone waits. And King David doesn't have to say a word because we don't eat till Mephibosheth gets here. Mephibosheth sits down and it's like, yo, let's eat, man. Everyone's like, yes. And maybe one of the sons says, could you get here a little earlier, bro? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. All that Mephibosheth had was a result of the relationship his covenant representative, Jonathan, had with King David. All that we have is a result of the relationship our covenant representative, Jesus, has with God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Oh, what an amazing, I love this story. You know who else I realized this? I'm Mephibosheth. I'm the one that wanted nothing to do with God. I'm the one who's spiritually crippled. I'm the one who ran from God. I'm the one who God sought out. I'm the one who Jesus initiated when one of my best friends at the time said, Come to church, Richie. And I said, no. And he said, come to church, Richie. And I said, no. And he said, come to church, Richie. And I said, I'll come to church with you under one condition. You never ask me again. (laughs) He said, okay. I went to church. Game over. Game over. I'm Mephibosheth. I'm the one who says, how could you do this? How could you love a dead dog like me? I know me. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know my, my issues that I have. How could you do it? Oh, sister, don't do that. It makes it worse when you bring tissue. No, no. Thank you. Here, take that, please. Oh, my gosh. No. Uh, uh. Jesus seeks us out. As a result of the blessing that I've received and that you've received, ask yourself this question. Jesus has sought you out. Who do you need to seek out? God restores all that we've lost through Jesus. What might you need to restore? God blesses us because of relationship with Jesus. Whom might you need to bless because of your relationship with Jesus? Uh, Mephibosheth had a decision to make. Would he go to the king? I mean, I guess he could have not gone. I don't know how that would have worked out. But he had a decision. He had to go to the king. Have you gone to the king? Have you come to Jesus? Is he your covenant representative that will represent you before God? I have a few things I'd like to ask you to do. Number one is I'd like you to commit to being here the next seven weeks. Commit to being here. It's going to get deeper and better. How about this? Invite someone to come. 
to hear about this amazing covenant representative. It's not too too late to join a light group. It's not too late. You missed the first week. It's okay. Get in one. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you grow together with us? This is where life happens. This is where we grow together. This is, this is how we do it. Why, why are you not doing that? And maybe there's 110, 115 of you that are. Praise the Lord. But there's some that are not. Let me encourage you to do that. It's not too late. Um, gosh, I want to just close. If you'll cue up that song, I got a song that, that I want to play. We're gonna, it's a five-minute song, and when it's over, you're dismissed. Our prayer team will be up here to pray, pray with you. Okay. But let me just say this. If you have not come to Jesus, what's stopping you? What, what, do, do, you, do, you, do, you do you understand? Do you, do, you, do you get how much he loves you? Do, do you, can you feel that? Has God's spirit touched your heart this morning that you would say, I need that. I need to come to the king. I need to come to the king. I've not done that. I'm not. Let me share briefly that was as, as, as the flight was landing in Los Angeles on Tuesday, and I knew I had about 10 minutes, and I asked this young lady, I said, have you ever asked Jesus into your life? Have you ever, have you ever asked him to forgive you your sins? Do you, is that something that you, you feel like you'd like to do? She said, yeah, I, I would. I said, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, real simple. It's from your heart. And as you pray this, know that... that that, that you're, you're his daughter, know that your sins are forgiven, know that the journey hasn't begun because it's already been in process, but now you, you, you walk not in darkness, but you walk in light. And she goes, yeah, I want to pray that. And right there, flying into L.A., she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. I want to lead you. Amen. I want to lead you in a, in, a, in a short prayer, and then we'll show this, this song. And... and, and and if this is, if in your heart you would agree, just say this prayer to the Lord. You can say it silently, out loud. You can stand up and shout it out, however you like. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. I surrender my heart to you today. I understand that you are my covenant representative. I receive your sacrifice on the cross for me. This morning, I receive your love. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you will do. Forgive me. Keep me. Cause me to grow in your love. And I ask it in Jesus' name you prayed that prayer today, your destiny changes. We want to know more. We want to come alongside of you. There's a table right over there, two gentlemen sitting there. Please stop by there on your way out and get some more information and, and, and connect with us and grow with us together. Of a song that I go ahead and play this song and, and we'll just sort of, when it's over, you're dismissed. <laughs>